Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 14th of May. The federal opposition leader has taken aim at what he's called Treasurer Josh Frydenberg's showbag budget. In his budget reply speech overnight, Anthony Albanese has criticised the Morrison government over wage theft and their COVID vaccine rollout, saying the Treasurer and Prime Minister can't even agree on when all Australians will be vaccinated. Australian citizens, of course, were promised they would be home by Christmas last year. We were also told we're at the front of the queue for vaccines when we, in fact, have one of the slowest rollouts in the advanced world. Mr Albanese has pledged a $10 billion housing future fund which would aim to deliver 20,000 social housing properties. Also making news today, Federal Liberal MP Linda Reynolds has given a statement to police over the alleged rape of her ex-staffer Brittany Higgins inside her office in Parliament House in 2019. The former Defence Minister was subject to heavy scrutiny over the allegations after it was revealed she held a meeting with Miss Higgins in the same room where the alleged rape took place. Leaks from her office also claimed the minister used the phrase lying cow when allegedly talking about Miss Higgins. Ms Reynolds has told Nine she's now assisting federal police with their investigation. I'm very limited now in what I can say because I am assisting the AFP with their investigation into, into that matter. Um, I have apologised publicly on a number of occasions and I am I'm sorry for what I said. I shouldn't have said it. Meantime, New South Wales Parliament has been rocked by another bombshell, with Government Minister Gareth Ward being investigated over allegations of sexual violence from 2013. Mr Ward has stepped aside from his portfolios for families, communities and disability services and moved to the crossbench, but has issued a statement denying any wrongdoing. And a $50 million support package has been announced for New South Wales farmers as they struggle to deal with the ongoing mouse plague, which has been described as an economic and public health crisis. It will provide free bait to all primary producers, with eight grain treatment stations also set up across regional New South Wales. Speaking on Australia Today with Steve Price, farmer Alan Brown says the situation is unprecedented. The food supply is, is for mice, almost unlimited at the moment. And that's why this problem is developing because they're breeding like flies and it's a great season out here. It's very mild summer followed by, a so far, a very mild autumn. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we start in WA and the grieving parents of a little girl who died at Perth Children's Hospital last month have spoken about their loss. As Adam Hemmings reports from Perth, the fallout continues from a damning report into the tragedy. Tash, the parents of Ashwarya Ashbath have bravely faced the media, admitting the report raises more questions than answers. The seven-year-old died from a bacterial infection in early April. She waited nearly two hours for treatments in the emergency department. The internal review found 11 areas for improvement, including a better triage service. Her father adamant she'd still be alive if staff had listened to them. If they had to address our concerns straight away, 
we would have had our daughter. The WA government has now agreed to increase the amount of staff rostered on in the ED. Ashbari's mother says they still want an external inquiry. We lost our child and this shouldn't happen to anybody else. Health Minister Roger Cook is under increasing pressure to resign, but the Premier says that won't be happening. The Therapeutic Goods Administration has confirmed it's investigating another seven new cases of blood clots in Australians who have received the AstraZeneca vaccine. Three cases have been confirmed, while four others are now under review. It comes with reports this morning the Queensland government has halved its orders for COVID vaccines from last month. Our reporter David Shiraz has the details from Brisbane. Good morning, Tash. That's right. As the states do their best to get the rollout back on track, Queensland's now being questioned over its contribution. Vaccine data became available back in April, with the state requesting about 35,000 vaccines a week. But those requests have dropped recently, with the state government saying it's all related to the health advice regarding AstraZeneca. Now, as other states ramp up their rollouts, with New South Wales even launching a mass vaccination hub, this will certainly give the federal government something to latch onto as it tries to shift the blame in its own handling of the rollout. And in Victoria, a number of people have been forced back into isolation after Adelaide's virus leak from hotel quarantine. Our reporter Hannah Sly is in Melbourne with more. Yeah, so those six stayed at Adelaide's Playford Hotel and then they came here and essentially now they've had the isolation clock restarted on them after a Wallert man tested positive for COVID. 39 others are doing the same because they all stayed on level three, the source of the latest virus leak. Meanwhile, contact tracers are catching up with people who didn't do a QR code check-in at the Curry Vault restaurant in the CBD. It's a Tier 1 exposure site and so far 34 of the 42 close contacts there have now tested negative. Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. As we mentioned earlier, the budget reply speech was handed down overnight with Mr Albanese. What are your thoughts? Tash, good morning. Happy Friday. Look, it was a happy Friday because we had two budget speeches this week and as a self-confessed <laughs> nerd, I, I, I quite enjoyed that. Look, this was a political speech, of course, as is the budget, but it does also talk a little bit about what each party would bring to the table were they elected or re-elected, as the case might be. This was interesting because there wasn't a lot of big picture announcements, but Anthony Albanese did focus on a few things. Wages, which I think will probably resonate with us because for all of the budget good news, wages still expected to remain low. Also, 20,000 affordable houses to be built under the opposition's plan if they are elected. And they kind of rang the bell on debt, which I was disappointed that the government didn't do. So at least this will bring that one point something trillion dollar debt to full focus when it comes to the public's imagination. Yeah, trillion. It's incredible, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, Inflation. There are concerns over in the US. How concerned should we be here, Scott, about inflation and especially its effect on interest rates? Yeah, this is this is fascinating. The US markets, so the ASX actually fell 2.7% between Tuesday and Thursday this week on those inflation concerns largely driven from the states. So that tells you how worried investors are about what might happen to shares. But in terms of interest rates, yeah, this is the real challenge. If the US experience is, is reflected here, the RBA's date of late 2024 could be brought forward maybe way up to two years in either the best or the worst circumstance, depending on which way you look at it, because rates shouldn't be this low. So if you're, if you're paying off a mortgage, you're hoping for them to be this low for a long time. But for the health of the economy, we do need some sort of normalcy coming back. Uh, so it's a bit of a glass half full, glass half empty. But yes, if those inflation numbers are repeated here in Australia, we will see rate rises sooner than expected. Have to keep a very close eye on that, Scott. Also mm. today, Crown and the Star to go cashless. This is fascinating. So we know, of course, that Crown's had issues with gaming regulators almost right across the country with inquiries and royal commissions. 
the Crown has decided basically nationally now to get in front of all of this, and the star has joined that decision. They will no longer accept cash in their casinos. Now, the big issue, of course, is money laundering. You can walk in with some money, walk out with some money, say, I won it on the tables, and no one can ever prove that it was or wasn't won there. If you have this card linked to your identity and to a recognised financial institution, which is the rules, um, this will basically, hopefully, for all concern, cut down on money laundering, and it probably will satisfy the regulator that Crown can open its six-star casino in Barangaroo. So we will see how that plans out, but this feels like the last little bit that's got to come into play for Crown to get that full licence approval from the New South Wales regulator and probably keep the others at bay as well. Scott, have a lovely weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Ash. <laughs> Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett. It's a massive weekend of NRL action in Brisbane with Magic Round kicking off tonight. Yes, looking forward to this, Tash. We've got eight NRL games in three days. We've got uh, the Tigers, the reshuffled Tigers uh, and the Knights tonight and then Manly up against the hometown Broncos. Led by Daly Cherry Evans, we'll hear from him in a second, but there's been some concern over the surface at Suncourt's Suncorp Stadium, whether it will hold up to having so much games over the next uh, few days. Ground staff say it's in better nick than it was two years ago when we last had Magic Round. Last year due to COVID, we had uh, that unfortunately had to be uh, cancelled. We've had some storms here on Wednesday. We had the Super Rugby, the Rugby Boys, uh, the big bodies chopping up the turf last weekend, but apparently it is looking cherry ripe. Now, Daly Cherry Evans, the last time he was at Suncorp Stadium, led Queensland to that famous origin win over New South Wales. Tonight, he's back uh, for the Seagulls against the Broncos. He might hear a few boos, and he says that the Broncos are a far different side when they play at home. Their games at Suncorp have shown they do care. They do care about Brisbane. They do care about the history. Something happens when they play at Suncorp. They take Taking Panthers late, Eels late. While they didn't win those games, they took some of the top teams right to the death. Great weekend coming up in Brisbane, Tash. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing like playing to the home crowd. Now, the Friday night lights bread have often proved too bright for the Saints in the past. How will they go, do you think, against the Cats tonight? Yes, uh, well, the Cats are certainly in form. And uh, St Kilda, as you said, since 2012, they've lost 15 of 19 Friday night matches. One of their key players is their 32-year-old ruckman, Paddy Ryder. Uh, since he's come back to the side from personal leave, they've won two games in a row. Former Saints champ Lee Montagna isn't sure that that's a good sign, though. He is crucial to St Kilda, but is it a concern that St Kilda seem to be relying on a 33-year-old yeah. ruckman who's and got some vulnerabilities year. with some injury? Yeah. Now, Ryder, uh, of course, in the side tonight, James Frawley playing his first game for the Saints. They will need him at full back with Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins in great form for the Cats. Quinton Narkle was the medical sub last week. He replaces his injured teammate Sam Simpson. So a big game tonight for St Kilda and the Cats. And she's done it again. We love Ash Barty and she is continuing to shine on clay court. Yeah, she's a uh, playing at the Italian Open. She's won through to the quarterfinals in straight sets against a Russian challenger, but now the challenge gets e- even tougher. She's got American teen sensation Coco, uh, Coco Goff, I should say, um, and we remember her run at the Australian Open a couple of years ago as a teenager, is still a teenager, so that's a big challenge coming up for Ash Barty, but given her form, you'd expect her to get through to the semifinals. Brett, another massive weekend. Happy Friday. Thank you. Thanks, Tash. And comedian Ellen DeGeneres is quitting her US talk show after 19 seasons, saying it's just not a challenge anymore. The 63-year-old host has come under fire over the last 12 months with allegations of a toxic workplace culture, with a number of employees from her show coming forward with allegations of bullying, sexual harassment and assault by senior executives. 
Ellen sat down to discuss the big decision with talk show queen and friend Oprah. As a creative person, I, I really need to be challenged. And as, as much as I absolutely love this show, um, and I do, I love everyone here, I love everything about it. Uh, there are just, you know, things that I just, it just what's why I've hosted the Oscars. It's why I went back to stand up. There are just different things as a creative person that I feel like I need to do. It's estimated Ellen earns around 50 million US dollars a year from the talk show. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch our latest episode and be across all the breaking news and hot topics as they happen in our brand new talk show, Australia Today with Steve Price, by heading to listener.com or downloading the new Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and a lovely weekend. And we look forward to seeing you bright and early on Monday. Listener.